Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Marriage is So Nicole. So I'm really, really pleased actually to start a new series on the podcast known as uh, Hashtag Relatable. So I think some of you might be wondering what on earth is this uh, series about and you know, what's the hashtag about. And I was actually challenged uh, recently, I think, by a friend to actually take a look at some church documents uh, and to actually kind of see, you know, how the everyday Catholic, I think you and me and everyone listening to this podcast you know, is able to relate to these uh, documents and I think really to invite all of us to really look at them a bit more prayerfully and to see what we can mm. also take away I think to our everyday life. So I'm very pleased mm. to have Garrett uh, here with me today uh, on the podcast. Hello, Hello. Um, and he's yeah. going to actually kind of yes, yeah, it's been a while, and yeah. he's going to explain to us. I think you know what is the significance of some of these church documents and just to give us a little bit of our background context before we start. Thanks, Nicole. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's good to be back. Uh, it's been a while. Hope everyone has been doing well. Uh, so, uh, so as you mentioned, this new series is going to take a look at various church documents that have been published over, say, the last century, I would say. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, I think they're not just like things like council documents, like the one we're looking at today. Uh, things also that we are planning to look at are things like uh, people and cyclicals, uh, things that uh, written by the popes. Uh, I, I believe Evangelii Gaudium is one thing that you're looking at with someone else, uh, as well as uh, Dignitatis Mulier. Sorry, I always, Mulieris Dignitatum, sorry, the, uh, that one's always very hard to pronounce, which is uh, Pope John Paul II's papal encyclical on the dignity of women. I think that's one thing that you're probably very interested to look at down the yeah, line. Yeah, very excited about it. <laughs> yeah, but today we're going to look at Lumen Gentium. And Lumen Gentium is basically uh, one of the documents of the Second Vatican Council. So if you're not uh, too familiar with the Second Vatican Council, it was called, it was a, an ecumenical council is basically a gathering of all the bishops who, uh, when, a, when there is a, it's usually a call in response to a crisis in the world uh, or within the church, so um, or, or whenever um, the the full authority of the bishops need to be, to be there to define some doctrine or to set some direction. So uh, the Second Vatican Council wasn't necessarily called uh, convened like due to a crisis. Uh, it was interestingly enough because. Uh, one, one of the reasons it was called was because the First Vatican Council was interrupted by war. So oh, wow. they kind of wanted to, to they, they kind of left their work unfinished. So in uh, 11th October 1962, uh, good Pope John XXIII, uh, he called for, a, he convened an ecumenical council. Uh, and if you know anything about uh, St. John XXIII, he was, uh, uh, a, word, a common word associated with him was, uh, I don't know how whether I'm pronouncing this correctly, but it's <laughs> aggiornamento, uh, which wow, is an Italian is word. It means something. It's an Italian word. It means something like opening up the windows, opening oh, up nice. the doors. So that was the idea behind the Second Vatican Council. That was that. Uh, it by 1962, uh, I think the Church also recognized that uh, people lived in a much more globalized, a much more mobile world, and the church, in order to bring the gospel to, to everyone, also had to 
sort of take stock of where, where what the situation was and how best to do that, right? So, uh, like I said, it was a huge gathering of bishops. I think even uh, Singapore's bishop, Michael Tomendi, was Ooh. part of it as well. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, basically, the council got together and they defined 16 documents, uh, which sort of was meant to uh, guide the church through this sort of, uh, but a bit of an uncertain one, I would say. So today we're actually starting with Lumen Gentium, which I think is a very good one to start with. So Lumen Gentium is, uh, the, the subtitle of it is The Dogmatic Constitution of the Church. So um, Nicole, have you ever heard of this term like constitution? Uh, probably only like constitution of like countries or something uh, yeah. like that. So, yeah. so Singapore, Singapore has a written constitution, uh, America famously more so. Oh, yeah. uh, so a constitution basically is um, as, um, like a document which defines like the purpose of uh, an entity. So in this case, the church, it can mm-hmm. be a country, a uh, company. So basically outlines the, the reasons why uh, they, are, they exist and a bit more about the organization and, and things like that. So... Uh, so Lumen Gentium is the dogmatic constitution of the church. So uh, you, you could, I think you could probably define it as the marching orders of, of each and every oh, individual wow. Catholic. So if you ever want to know like why the church does what it does or what's your role to play as a Catholic in, in, that, uh, in that purpose, then you might want to give Lumen Gentium a read. So I think, what, so what's the first thing you notice about Lumen Gentium, Nicole? The length? I- it's quite long, yeah. I think it's, it's pretty long. <laughs> I, I think it's it's upwards. How of many pages? Seventy, eighty pages. Yeah. Wow. No, it is a. It is. I mean, it is a constitution, as you said. <laughs> yeah. So I think there is seven chapters in all, right? Yes, seven chapters. Not, not counting the footnotes, by the way. So yes. it, it, Oh, it's eight chapters. Okay. Oh, so, eight chapters. <laughs> yeah, my bad. So. There's a lot to go through and we're definitely not going to be able to go through everything. But uh, I think there's a few things that that we can learn and you might want to just take a look at it uh, if any of the, the sections we talk about interest you or, you know, or you, if you like some clarity in, uh, in your journey as a Catholic. Uh, this document is perhaps not the most accessible, but perhaps quite a clarifying one. Yeah, so the first thing I think uh, struck me about Lumen Gentium was um, the the centrality of Christ in the constitution of the church. So Lumen Gentium is a Latin phrase that means the light of the nations. And the very first line of Lumen Gentium is Christ is the light of the nations. Wow. So, uh, so yeah, so section one, the mystery of the church talks about how, chapter one, I mean, the mystery of the church talks about how Christ is the light of nations. The world needs Christ. And in a sense, uh, as we go through the document, we, f- we find a sense that uh, the church is a vehicle which men become part of and also the vehicle brings us closer to Christ. Mm. So quoting again from the first passage of Lumen Gentium, it says, since the Christ, like a sacrament or as a sign, an instrument both of a very closely knit union with God and of the unity of the whole human race, it desires now to unfold more fully to the faithful of the church 
and to the whole world, its own nature and universal mission. So, so this is, I think, quite important, right? Like, like we belong to the body. Like we always say, uh, like, like Saint Paul in the Corinthians, like we are part of the body of Christ, right? So, uh, and we also through that ministry we bring Christ to others. So, uh, and I think none of us are really exempt from that, right? Like that we all have a mission as, as Catholics, as Christians to bring the good news to others to, uh, and I, I believe it is somewhere in Lumen Gentium as well that says like, yeah, we bring the good news not through coercion or through, uh, through force, but rather through the, the way we live up to, to the example of Christ and how we bring that to others as well. And I think that's very important, especially like, uh, maybe it's, especially in Singapore where there is a play, uh, where religious harmony is quite an important uh, thing, right? And so uh, people get very guarded and, uh, and they, they, they find sometimes that Christians can be a bit pushy, a bit mm, uh, self-righteous. Yes. And yeah, so uh, I think it's, it's interesting to look at Lumen Gentium and say like what exactly like that mission is and how we bring it to others and yeah, we'll go through that a bit more to uh, as we go through this podcast. Yeah, I, yeah. I like. Uh, thank you. I think for like highlighting. I think the very important like the primary point. I think of the document as you were saying, like how it starts out from Christ. You no, know, I think having mm. a strong foundation. Like every house or building has to be built on yeah. a strong and not shaky foundation. Like our own ideals yeah. and our own ideas. Yeah. And I think modern society is like whoa. Like there's a house of cards, <laughs> flimsy house of cards, yeah. That if you just take away, I think the, the bottom part, everything's going to crumble down. So I think like mm. starting the document on a great note, I think the centrality of Christ and the fact that not only is the church built on Christ, the point that you made about the world needing Christ, right? Because mm. I think it's like, you know, we are living, I think, in a fallen world, right? And there's a lot of oh, openness, yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, even more, I think the fact that this was written at that time, I think when you were saying that, you know, wow, suddenly they called like a meeting and oh, then yeah. they were like, yeah, we need to write. Then I realized, oh, ever more than now, like, I think that like, we always need Christ in every minute mm-hmm. and every hour. Right, and sometimes right. it gets so serious <laughs> that everybody yeah, meets then, up. I mean, there's saying, that question of like, yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Did I, yeah. Yeah, people like, yeah. Please, yeah. so as you're saying, uh, yeah, so like it's like how do you bring the gospel in the age of the television or oh, the yeah. telephone, right? They didn't, even have, they didn't even have cell phones at the time. Oh yeah, they so did not. that's just that's just an example of how technology has progressed and how it, it, this council, I think, was was a necessary one la, to try and answer some questions and to try and take stock of the situation, right? Yeah, I think like the fact that they had the meeting was really like showing that hey, you know, we all need to get get real. We got to get uh, we got to give you on the same page. I think about mm-hmm. a lot of different things, and I think the fact you were saying about how we they needed to clarify, right, a lot of yeah. positions, and I mean it's many pages this entire document, but I think the pages are very necessary so that you know um, there's no doubt, uh, and there is like as much. Uh, you know, there's not as much exposition, I think, as possible, so that everyone has mm-hmm. like, clarity, like, I think, going forward, um, right. and and stuff like that. But I, I like also um what you were actually highlighted about the mission of the church, like as a collective mm. body, 
of, of people, right? You know, like the, the lady, right. the religious people. I think that's what the document talks yeah. about, right? It, it tackles this, yeah, well, uh, like it kind of like broad sweeps over everybody. And yeah, yeah I think that like reminded me of like the, the sec, I think somewhere further down, I think in the document where it talks about like the universal call to holiness because I think I was doing a series on like, holiness. Yeah. Last year. Yeah. And oh yeah, yeah, and I thought, wow, okay, this is interesting. Like you know, like we we only like this first part of the document, and he's really talking about like you know universal call to holiness. I'm like, wow, you know this, you know they're not giving me a break or something, man. I'm like they're really like dictating. So, yeah, you're so, saying so marching you orders. <laughs> Do I feel so, yeah. yeah? Did Did you feel happy that you were sort of in line with Vatican II, like, like unconsciously? <laughs> oh yeah, I was. I mean, it's like now that like, it's, like, it's like confirmed the fact that I was like going in a in a good direction, I think. Right. And yeah, but I I really like actually the way that it's described, like the universal, like the fact that it's universal, meaning that you know everybody right. is called regardless. Right. I think of your station in life, and then the fact that you are called, you know, you're not like coerced. <laughs> nobody mm. is co- You're saying that nobody is coercing people. We are not coerced. And we are just called, right. and then it's about whether we respond. I think to that call because I think a lot for a lot of us um, Catholics, we live like a part-time Catholic life, like from Monday to oh, Friday. Yeah. We're like, yeah, life is okay. I'm not a Catholic. I I find it hard to even like, you know, sign sign myself in public or something or like right. pretend that right. I'm a Catholic. You know, that kind of stuff. And then here is mm. like, you know, we are all called to holiness like each and every day, each and every moment. And mm. doesn't even mean, I think for a lot of people, right, the struggle with holiness is like, I have to be in certain situations then I can be holy, you know. Or look at me, I got a yeah, hair on my head. Or, or I'm scared that people will judge me if I make oh, the sign of the cross. Oh or... my goodness, totally. Yeah, <laughs> I think the judgment is so yeah. real. People will think like, what, what's up with these people? You know, I think there's things, more to holiness than, than the externals to, as well. But, but yeah. Uh, like, I mean, we don't want to be ashamed of our faith as well at the same time. Yeah. Right? But I, I think a, a lot of people, I think, also, like, do struggle with that. Like, their identity, mm-hmm, I think, as, as Catholics. Because, like, right. you know, like, like on one hand, they're like, yeah, I'm a Catholic. You know, after that, you know, when, when the situation comes up, they're like, I don't know. Like, I don't know whether I would, like, deny Christ or something, man. You know, in the in, in right. real life. It, it's, it's quite sad. Like. But I realised mm. that, you know, the document highlights the fact that everybody like we even though we might not think that we are like you know anywhere near sainthood or something but the document i think mm-hmm. says like in a very radical way like we are all called to be saints you know and yeah. everyone can desire to be a saint right in in his or her yeah. way like in her own unique way i like that i like what it was I, I love that part about how it's unique you know holiness is unique it's not like a special brand of like oh i'm going to be like uh, uh i'm going to be like this particular saint or that particular saint you know, or this person mm. or that person. But like everybody right. has their own path, I think, to to kind of like mm-hmm. trade. Yeah. And I thought like that was yeah. like for me, I think that's a point that stood out. But how about you? What how do you feel so about this like universal call to holiness? How is it like link also to like our kind of wider mission? Yeah, I think I was quite struck when you mentioned that uh the universal call to holiness can manifest itself not just in sort of like imitating someone who has come before, but also in finding a more uh, your own unique way of bringing the gospel uh, through uh, the, the place and time that we live in, right? So uh, I think just one of the things that, uh, one example that struck me was the example of Blessed Carlo Acutis, Ooh, who, used yeah. the, who used the internet uh, with 
uh, to document like you can see. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh uh a man after my own heart. But yeah. Uh, so it, 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 that's the kind of thing that we show that like in even in this age where we have uh we live in a very different uh living situation than someone like centuries of Avila or St. Francis of Assisi. Oh yeah. Uh, there's still there's still uh that spark of the divine to be found and to uh to move us to live a more Christ-centered life like in that sense, right? So <laughs> I was just looking at the document itself. Uh, I think passage 40 uh, in chapter 5, which is titled The Universal Call to Holiness in the Church, which is what we are discussing now. It says, uh, the Lord Jesus, the divine teacher and model of all perfection, preached holiness of life to each and every one of his disciples of every condition. He himself stands as the author and consummator of this holiness in life. Be you therefore perfect, even as your heavenly father is perfect from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, indeed, he sent the Holy Spirit upon all men that he might move them inwardly to love God with their whole heart and their whole soul, with all their mind and all their strength, and that they might love each other as Christ loves them. So I think that kind of succinctly captures uh, that, that universal call to holiness, right? Like, uh, uh, and also mentioning uh, love, uh, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, right? So, and the document does go into further detail about uh, how this is accomplished. Like, the, it was summarized quite nicely in, in this passage 40, but like, it's not that we have to struggle by ourselves. There's the Holy Spirit. We have uh, the church, like, and manifest through our brothers and sisters in Christ. So, yeah, this universal call to holiness is something that, like, it's, it's not just for... it's it's not just for the laity or for the clergy. It's for, it's for everyone, right? Like, no matter where you are, from, from the Pope to, like, the, the, the newest sleep, the, the, the newest baptized baby. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love, like, how I think it cuts across the entire church. And, yeah. like, the, the, it's not as if, like, this responsibility of holiness is just held by a, a couple of people. You know, it's just concentrated mm. in, in, in their hands or something like that. I think, like, mm. this, that's, like, as if, like, some kind of monopoly. Like, you know, people are monopolizing all the grace, <laughs> monopolizing right. all of this, like, yeah. But that's not true, I think, like, yeah, you know, how you're saying, like, it doesn't matter, I think, you know, um, what your role is, you know, or what role mm-hmm. you play also, I think, in the church. The thing is that we are all called to like in a very unique way. And I think like oh. I would really love to also hear how what you also think about like the parts uh that everybody has to play, I think, in the wider church. Because I think the document covers like quite a few different oh, yeah, groups of people, right? Like it yeah, covers yeah. like religious, uh laity, etc, right? I think inside yeah, the document. Yes. Oh my gosh, and I also just saw uh the Virgin Mary <laughs> being mentioned. Oh, yeah, that's the very last chapter, yeah. Yeah. Her role, I, I, her unique role to play oh in the wow, yes. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So, so as you can see it's a very comprehensive document. Totally. Uh, maybe a bit too com- <laughs> maybe so comprehensive that it scares people away sometimes. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to the topic that you mentioned, um the, the chapters are divided into uh, things, uh, ch- chapter 4, for example, concerns the laity. Uh, chapter, I don't have this on top of my head, but chapter 3, I think, is the hierarchy of the church. So it talks mm-hmm. about the bishop and, and the clergy. So uh, 
I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, statistically speaking, you're probably a lay person. Uh, yeah. If you're not Catholic, welcome. Uh, we, we don't bite. <laughs> but uh, so, but uh, I mean, so I mean, there's something for like so there's something for everyone in this document, right? So, I mean, if you don't have time to read the whole thing, maybe read chapter four. Like chapter yeah. four is Doctor Delaty, and uh, it it talks very beautifully about how we uh we have the responsibility like within like the catholic family within uh education to and in our working lives like it talks about how the laity is sort of um the uh, uh, kind of like how uh that prayer of centuries of a villa that goes like mm. christ has no hands and no hands on earth but yours christ is no oh, feet yeah. on earth but yours so we are we are the hands and feet that really bring the gospel with us and that's our responsibility through um uh and also uh our our duties towards like our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, right? To be loving because we're all part of this one body. So uh there's a lot uh there's, there's way too much to summarize here and it also talks about the responsibilities of uh really what a great responsibility it is to uh be a bishop or a priest and uh, the responsibility they bear towards uh, their flock. Uh, I think you mentioned that you like that that description oh, yeah. of the church is like. I think yeah, that's one of the earlier passages, uh, and it really shows you that they really have. Uh, I mean, like like we just read, uh, Christ said, "Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect," and I think it's uh, even more so for uh, our priests and and bishops, right? So. Uh, it really makes you realize that, yeah, uh, they really need our prayers as well and, and our support where we can as well, right? Yeah. So, so it, what I can say about Lumen Gentium, it's, it's very, very comprehensive. Uh, and yeah, reading it really does give you a good idea of what it means to be Catholic and to be part of the Catholic Church, right? So... Um, is there anything you like that before we finish off? Or? I, I think like I think that was a very comprehensive <laughs> look at a very comprehensive <laughs> document. I think yeah. maybe we have not scared people yet, especially the number of pages and chapters. You know, like nowadays people yeah. like all of us, our attention span is so short, right? We can hardly read. Yeah, the yeah, yeah that's kind of the issue. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that this is a very worthwhile investment of your time and your spiritual life and your you know knowledge of the church. Mm-hmm. I think definitely will increase. And I I think that as you're saying, I know like the eighty pages might scare some of us off, you know, from reading it. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe after like listening to this comprehensive uh description, right? Everybody's like, mm-hmm. whoa, there's something. I I like what you were saying actually about like how there's something for everyone. You know, it's not like yeah. oh, you know, only certain people can read you know, uh, the church right. document, and you know, only certain people can understand it. I think it's like, you know, we, we just need to pray for, I think, for the grace to, like, you know, like, illuminate mm-hmm. our minds, you know, such that we can be, yeah, be more aware, I think, uh, of what mm-hmm. he's trying yeah. to, yeah, communicate to us, I think. So, yeah, thanks yeah. a lot, I think, uh, Garrett, for uh, debunking a lot of, like, myths and fears that people have, I think, uh, over the uh, documents. Yeah. Because I think when sometimes I, when I people think, hear it, they're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Vatican II documents are kind of, uh, some would say, infamous or controversial in that regard because oh, yeah. uh, they came, they really came at like a turning point in the church. And uh, 
I mean, I'm of the opinion that these changes would have happened anyway and Vatican II just mm-hmm. got blamed for it even though it was trying to rectify oh, the situation. But yeah, uh, to, to, carry, to build on what Nicole was saying, like, it's really important to, I, I believe at least, that to have a look at these documents, uh, difficult as they are, or at least learn a bit more about the background, the summary, you know, like uh, spark, find a spark note somewhere. Oh yeah, totally. I'm not sure. That. I, I, don't, I don't know if like a Vatican II spark notes exist, but it should. Oh, uh, you never know. You never know. Yeah. Uh, because um, I would say that, I mean, this whole series is not going to look at all 16 of the documents. We're going to look at other things as well. But the Vatican II documents are, have been the most misinterpreted State documents in the church, I think. Uh, so on both sides of, of the argument. So you have people saying, like, it's Vatican II, man, chill. Like we live in, in a new era, like, like oh, yeah. we don't have to. But but as we can see, Lumen Gentium makes it very clear that nope, you have a mission, like from mm-hmm. no matter where you stand in the hierarchy of the church, you have a mission to bring Christ to others, right? You can't use Vatican II as an excuse to uh to uh relax on any like moral issue of morality or spirituality. Mm. Oh yeah. So and then you will have other people who will say, oh no, the documents are terrible. They they permit all sorts of horrible things. But if you actually read what it says, to be fair, a lot of people have not because it's very, very long. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. You, yeah, and but when you actually read it, it doesn't say that. A lot of people <laughs> say that it says that, but it doesn't say that. And the only way you, you'll have to you're able to know is if you really take uh, ownership of your faith and really try to trace. I mean, there's so much that it, it, it's quite hard, but that's why we're having this podcast, right? And I think we were discussing the the idea of like having a having another episode where we talk about the various different kinds of documents. Oh you, yeah, totally. How you approach them and classify them and understand them, right? Yes. <laughs> So I think that might be a like that might be a good episode. I might, it might take a bit more research, but we'll see. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I really do encourage. Uh, like Nicole mentioned, like uh, sometimes like we're only ca- sometimes it's almost like we're only Catholic like some of the time or mm, two days yeah, a week, and, and Monday we, week. Yeah, and and we've all been there. I've been there. Uh, Me too. Like, yes. Especially in uh, the face of. Uh, overwhelming opposition <laughs> oh yeah it's a secular world <laughs> yeah but yeah I think um, being able to um, being able to understand more about the faith really does help to ground you somewhat and to know uh, the, that with the light of Christ also comes certain responsibilities and uh, and challenges as well and that's part of the journey as well right so so yeah I think uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing the rest of the series uh, and excited to see what other people have to say about the various documents so yeah I, 